want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew, and I want to talk to you this morning about being uh, us going fishing, because we are definitely in some water that uh, could really produce lots of, of souls these next weeks. Uh, we've got Easter coming up. We've got our Saturday resurrection and egg extravaganza with uh, all the little uh, uh games on Saturday from 11 to 2, and uh, we're going to do that much like we did Family Fest back in the fall. And we've got Ken Freeman, an anointed evangelist. I mean, one of the best I've ever worked with. Dear friend of mine, I have been using and working with Ken for over 20 years now, and I have had him many times come and do what he's going to do with us. He is just so gifted of God to draw the net on those that are ripe. Here's the, here's the key. We have to have people here so the net can be drawn on people that need Jesus. So I really need your help these next couple of weeks that you really are working on it, trying to get people here, inviting them. Man, we got the steak and chicken dinner, and they're even selling tickets today. You can buy somebody a steak dinner for $5. Isn't that incredible? A nice steak dinner. We're making that possible. It's going to be a good steak, too. And there's good chicken, and we'll have that for you. It's going to be a little competition that night between the men and the ladies. But I hope you'll take that ever so serious. We'll go right up to the service and uh, have the service that night. All the services got special nights every night, but to bring people, to invite them. So be busy about that. I want you to join me in the book of Matthew, chapter 4. Let's all stand up for the reading of the Word of God, and here's what it says. Jesus gives us this tremendous lesson about fishing for souls, for life, for men and women, boys and girls. And uh, I want to share with you from Matthew chapter 4, and in verse 18 it says this, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. All kinds of big, big hints about how we become fishers of men in this, in this passage. Principles that Jesus teaches us right here. Let's pray together. Father, teach us. Teach us to be obedient to this passage. Lord, it's, the, it's next to knowing you and salvation itself. Lord, this is one of my greatest pleasures in all of life is to see somebody pray and invite Christ in their life, to see them come to church and then come to you in that service. Lord, to see them come to special events like we have coming up. Lord, we need to be so very busy being fisher of men and women, inviters, Lord, bringers to these church events so that, Lord, you can just rule and reign in some people's hearts. Let us show the the community and our family and our friends and our neighbors, our work associates, our school uh, people we go to school with, let us show them that we care by introducing them to the most incredible relationship we have on planet Earth or out of this Earth. And we ask that we would be faithful to that. Lord, give us fruit from our efforts these next weeks. 
And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I was pastoring in Florida, and I lived right on uh, the coast there. We were right where the Space Center is, and most of our folks at the church worked out at the Space Center. So it was an interesting place, and I sure enjoyed our time there. We were right on, right on the beach. We lived about eight miles from the beach, so we went to the beach a lot. But one of the things I didn't do for a couple of years is I didn't go deep-sea fishing. And I want to tell you about my first deep-sea fishing expedition. We had a guy and a lady in our church. In fact, he didn't come very often at all. In fact, it became obvious after a while he didn't know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. His wife was deeply burdened for him. Her name was Dottie, and her husband's name was Don. Don was one of these workaholics. He's so busy he couldn't come to church. That's what he'd tell me. And uh, had a little bit of a cold shoulder thing going, and I just kept trying to love on him. Dottie was so burdened for him and uh, wanted to see him come to Christ. She just kept praying for him, witnessing to him, probably aggravated him a little bit. But uh, anyway, we got him to come to some church events, and eventually we led him to Christ. And after he came to Christ, I really didn't know what all he had in his business, but he, he sold televisions, new televisions, and VCRs. How many of you remember VCRs? He had, he had betas and VCR, and he sold those machines. And uh, it was back in the day they actually repaired televisions. You remember that? Instead of like, oh, it's out, throw it away, let's go to, let's go to Best Buy. Uh, that's, that's us today, right? But uh, he had a place. Well, the other side of his shop was a marina uh, place where he uh, sold all this equipment to, for all the, the folks that were fishermen. And, and that was his big, big business. And he said, Pastor, you need to come and learn about this. In fact, let's go fishing. And I thought, well, that'd be great. And he said, well, Craig Parrish is after me and this guy. He said, I'll take a few of you out. Well, we went out in November and the swells were big. It was about 12 feet high that day. So it was seasick kind of stuff. And so we're out there, and he's telling us not to go down in the boat or we'll be the chummers, and if you know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and we did go down the boat and got sick, so we came back up. And he had all this equipment in his boat. I mean, it looked like this. It looked like almost like an airplane dashboard. He had all these depth finders. We knew we were about 25 miles off the coast of right where the space shuttle takes, used to take off, and and the rockets, and, and we were about 100 feet deep in the water where we were right there. We could see schools of fish on these fish finders that he had. It was amazing where you could see them in some detail. He would tell us, he'd say, throw off on the right. Got red snapper coming up on the right side of the boat. Use this kind of bait. We'd throw off. Five or six of us pulling up red snapper one after another just like that. I mean, he kind of cheated a little bit, you know, with that stuff. And, uh, but it was great. We'd, we'd go, we'd start trolling a little bit, and he'd say, all right, we're going to put these off the back. He said, just, just easy, start rolling them in. He said, it's king mackerel time. And man, we started getting these big, long king mackerel, and that was awesome. Well, after we had done that for a good part of the day, and like I said, the swells got really crazy that afternoon, one of the guys said, I am so sick, I'm going to jump in the water and swim a little bit. I'm hot. You know how Florida is. It gets hot just like it does here, and it was hot and, and uh, muggy, and uh, so and that boat was just rocking with those waves, and man, you just, I mean, I was a little bit there too, and this friend of mine jumps in the water, swims around a little bit, and I mean, he no more than was coming up out of the boat, and this big hammerhead shark just swims by. 
that big splash had brought that, that dude up. And I'm looking at Don, and I said, Don, what do I do to catch that? He said, we don't catch sharks. I'm a diver. And the other guy that was with him, it's his boat mate, he said, I am too. We don't catch sharks. We have a deal with sharks. They don't eat us. We don't eat them. I'm like, that is the most superstitious nonsense I've ever heard in my life. That that nobody's going to honor that. You're crazy, man. I want that shark. What do I do? He starts telling me the type of bait, where to throw it, what to do with my, my rod. And the other guys jump in. They're doing the same. Well, guess who hooked that hammerhead shark? Yes, I did. And I had no idea what I'd gotten a hold of. They put me in that little chair where you put your feet and you got that little thing to push off on. And I put my pole down in in this little metal uh, holder, and they strapped me in, and I thought, wow, this is like the people on TV on those fishing shows. And I, and I had no idea what I was doing. And Don's coaching me, and they're pouring water on my, on my, 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 my rod and reel to keep it from getting hot. And, and, man, I'm just pulling, and I'm pulling, and I'm pulling. And, man, I got where my arms were like this, and they started contracting up like this. And that lasted for about 45 minutes, and I finally got that dude up by the boat. And then Don said, that hammerhead's not coming in this boat. I said, dude, I have fought with that thing for an hour. I'm, my kids are going to see this, that shark. My wife's going to see. I caught that. So anyway, Don says, well, when I stab it in the head, there's going to be blood everywhere. And it's going to be angry till it dies, and it's going to be in this boat. And lo and behold, he, he hooks that thing. Pulls, he said, there's going to be blood everywhere. It's going to be all over the boat. You're all going to get covered. And he said, you're cleaning up my boat. <laughs> you, Barry, you. I don't care if you got to come back after church tomorrow and do it. You're going to have to clean up my boat. So I said, all right, I'll do it. I had no idea what he's talking about. It bled all over the place. That thing, we pulled that thing up in the boat. It's hissing like some barking dog. <laughs> Just over and over. It's bouncing all the We're all up on the side of the boat running from it. <laughs> Finally, we, the thing died. Or at least we thought it did. We started taking pictures with it. I'm... I'm, I'm radioing and telling, call Kimma and the kids, tell them to come to the dock. I caught a hammerhead shark. My arms were still like this, you know. <laughs> I'd never done this before. Anyway, it does make good stakes, by the way. And we buried the head, and we're going to keep that part, you know, with that big, long part out there. Uh, I should tell you one more thing. This was not a two or three hundred pound hammerhead. Uh, it was about sixty-five pounds. <laughs> so he was—he wasn't real big, all right. But I thought it when I was fighting with him. I thought, man, this must be the mother of all hammerheads. We got that thing out, and the guys did cut it up for for steaks. We we made steaks out of. It. Anyway, that was my first first deep sea diving uh, deep sea diving deep sea fishing expedition i knew nothing 
I absolutely knew nothing. Don taught me everything I knew that day, and I just got lucky, and he had all this equipment, and he told us what to do, and that's why we were successful. But I was such a rookie that day. I was, and so were the other guys. None of us had been deep-sea fishing. I want you to look with me at this scripture because here's what's so amazing. Jesus tells us how to become fishers of men. It's really pretty simple. But he tells us in the passage these words, and I want you to see them with me today, because God needs us to do the same thing. So many times, like churches, like the YMCA, the YMCA is having a big focus right now because they are young men's Christian association. Well, when they started out, there was hardly anybody that wasn't coming to Christ that was involved in, in the stuff they were doing. And as the years passed, it got where it was just a place to go exercise and have sporting activities. Well, here's what's really neat. The leadership that's at YMCA now, they've tried to come back. They're trying to really come back to Christian. And one of the things they're doing is they're using their place for many Christian gatherings all over the nation now. And they're also doing something really cool too. They've realized that there's so many new churches that are looking for places to meet that they have... They advertise themselves as a new church environment home to be a host place while a church gets started and has a place to meet. And that's one of the most radical things that they're doing right now. It's a policy all across the land that the YMCA be given to, to just that type of activity. Pretty cool, huh? I want to share with you churches can go the same way. They can be bastions of places that were all about sharing the gospel. And then as the decades pass by, the church can become cool and not effective about sharing the good news of Christ. And our church has had its history of its ups and its downs too, huh? It's important for us to become, get that fire stoked again, that we get to busy about doing what Jesus says and notice what he says. Join me here in looking at this. John Aldridge said that we've got to remember that unsaved people are not the enemy. They are victims of the enemy. In fact, that's the target of our message of the gospel, isn't it? It's important that we remember that. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Let me say that again. He who wins souls is wise, Proverbs 11.30. He who wins souls is wise. One of the greatest things you could ever do for somebody is lead them to Christ, isn't it? And be a fisher of men. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus challenges us to be fisher of men. Notice in verse 19 it says there are techniques for catching fish. Jesus says, I will make you. He doesn't talk like this often in Scripture. Usually it's a little more about you picking to choose to follow him. You doing something. Here he says, I will make you fishers of men. And the fishing techniques that were in the Sea of Galilee in those days, there was hook and line, what we're most familiar with, what most people do with fishing is they have a pole and a, and a line, uh, individual hook, and uh, that was common in that day. Throwing a net into the shallow water. I was watching a video yesterday just doing a little more research on this subject matter of somebody on a, on a dock at uh, a beach and they were taking a net that was probably uh, oh, 10, 10 feet wide, and they were throwing it out over the, uh, the, the beach area there. And, man, every time they pulled it up, they were pulling up about 8, 10, 12 fish each time. Most of them the same, but some different. 
there was the throwing of the net in the shallow water. Number three, there was also another technique, and it was used by single boats and also by uh, boats that were, w- would join in, and they'd have a, a fishing net between them. And those were the three major common ways that they fished in that day. In fact, they tell us that reading a little further, if you read people like Josephus, he says that during the times of Jesus that the uh, Sea of Galilee is 8 miles wide, it's 13 miles long, it's some 700 feet below sea level, and according to Josephus, he says that there were some 240 boats during the lifetime of Jesus, any of that, that decade, those three decades there, uh, about 240 boats that regularly fished on the Sea of Galilee. That's quite a few boats out there every day on 13 miles and 8 miles wide, isn't it? That's pretty heavy, heavy population of boats out there. You see, there's a thrill for catching men. Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. I got so excited about that fish. I, I, I wanted my kids to be at the dock and see me come in. I was going to hold up my big 65-pound, <laughs> five-foot-long, four-and-a-half, five-foot-long. He, he, you know, it's crazy that I fought with it like that because it just wasn't that big. But uh, I brought in that hammerhead, and I'm holding it up like, look, look what Dad got, you know. Uh, but to win people to Jesus has been, next to my salvation, it's been one of the greatest thrills of my life. I'm just telling you, if you haven't been there, you need to go there because God will honor your witness, and there will be somebody eventually that believes the message of the gospel, and you will have the joy of leading them to Christ bringing them to a church event where they receive Christ and maybe getting to disciple them after. Or you may, you may get to just invite them and be one of the chain people that gets to have a witness there. You're a waterer. You're one that was doing some planning with the gospel. You're the one that's uh, tilling, tilling around it and keeping the weeds away. You might be any person in that, that uh, uh, process of harvest, but it's important that you get there. Second of all, Jesus gives us a course, and here's the course. Look at the simplicity of this. He says, come follow me. And what does he tell us? That if we follow him, we will become. If you really follow Jesus, eventually, in that following, you will become a fisher of men. Given. Why? Because Jesus says he will make you one. You'll care about people. You'll care about them coming to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will work in ways to try to befriend them, try to do things, influence them, help them come to Christ. You'll serve them. It's amazing what you'll do for somebody to see them come to Christ. And God's calling us to do that. The course is to follow him. We see Jesus challenging this first group of disciples and right away, there's a man that's cured from leprosy. There's a man that is a centurion that has faith for a servant that comes back to life. Uh, demon possession. There's just a list that goes on and on and on. That They just kept watching Jesus interact with people and them receive the gospel and their lives forever changed. And then by Matthew chapter 10, two chapters later, Jesus starts sending them out two by two. He sends his disciple out, disciples out, or the 70 that's recorded there in Scripture, where he starts sending them out to share the good news of the gospel. He gives them instruction about how to receive people and what to do and 
how to handle things. And the course is to, for us to imitate Christ, isn't it? In verse 19, it says, I will make you a disciple. I will make you a fisher of men. Isn't that awesome? If you follow Jesus, this is a natural outflow of your life that you will become a witness and you will share the good news. You'll invite people. You'll bring them to things that they could encounter Christ in the gospel. Amen? Do we have anything like that coming up anytime soon? We're loaded. We are loaded for bear this next month. We've got Easter coming, and that will be an evangelistic day for us. But the day before Easter, what are we doing? From 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock, we're having our resurrection egg extravaganza. We did it last year. We had over 600 people come. It was a lot like Family Fest. And we are going to do just like we did at Family Fest. Hopefully we get to go outside this time. You can sign up out there to help today. It's out there on the tables. We know we've got two big events, so we've been trying to kind of have the one lurched behind the other because we know how churches don't do good with two big, really big events, but they're so close, we've got to go ahead and get ready. Listen, we're going to shut things down just like we did in Family Fest. If you remember, we had 23 people pray to receive Christ at Family Fest back in the fall. Did we offend anybody? No, we gave them giveaways, didn't we? The giveaways were, were our cover that we stopped the games because they came to play games, didn't they? And they got surprised with the gospel. We've got a family sitting right here that their daughter gave her heart to Jesus at that event. New family. That was their first time here. They came to Family Fest. That was a good day to come. Listen, we're going to have a very similar event, and we will share the gospel. We'll stop, share the gospel very quickly. I know you, you don't believe it, but if you were here at Family Fest, you saw me do it. I share the gospel in three minutes, pray the sinner's prayer, and it's wrapped. Five minutes, that's over, and we're giving away gifts. We're going to do that again right out here. 23 back in the fall, amen? Some of those folks we baptized, family sitting right here. Listen, I want to share that because here's what happened, and here's what happens as a result of being a Christ follower. If you go to the book of Acts and you read chapter 4 and verse, verse 13, listen to these words. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they're unschooled. These aren't seminarians. They're not somebody that can't, went to Harvard. These are just ordinary fishermen. In fact, there were some other folks mixed in there. Ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that they had been with who? Listen, when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter where I went to school. It doesn't matter all the credentials that I have. The only thing that's going to matter is, did I know Jesus Christ and did I walk with him in this life? That's it. Anything that's worth noting about Barry Jude or any of you. And you can be, you can be impressive people. But the only thing noting that's eternal, these men were just ordinary boys. They probably wouldn't have done much in their life. But they end up turning the world upside down or really right side up. Amen? Why? Because they followed Jesus. 
And in following Jesus, they became fishers of men and women. And it's incredible. The only thing that was noteworthy about these men were that they had hung out with Jesus. What's noteworthy about you? Let's get serious. What's really noteworthy about you? And we can say lots of things. I mean, the, the, <laughs> we, we can say lots of things about lots of people. But this is absolutely the best and the most for eternal, for eternity. You follow me? It really is. Check this out. Jesus, last of all, calls us to a commitment of being fishermen of men. He gives this invitation. He says, come. He tells us, follow me. He says, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus called them. If you read the passage carefully, you'll see that just a very brief reading, that Jesus invites them to follow him. And then twice he does that, and he tells them they'll be fishers of men. And then again he says to James and his brother John, the sons of Zebedee, he says, it says Jesus called them, and they immediately followed him. Jesus expects immediate response. Today, as I preach to you, here's what God wants of every single person in the room. Here's what he wants from you. He wants you to respond to the gospel by being a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, here's where it goes. You will be a fisher of souls, people. You will. Will it be scary? Yes. Will you need God's Spirit to work through you to accomplish this? Yes. Will you have times that somebody may say something or misunderstand you? Yes. Will you be discouraged by being a fisher of men and women? Yes. But then somebody believes. Then somebody accepts the gospel. Then you brought somebody and they came to Christ. And they're not just your friend now, they're your friend for all of eternity because you cared enough to do something about it. It's worth all the bumps along the way to be a fisher of souls. And in the passage, he tells us that's what God's called us to. Fishermen need to be patient. Yes, they do. I went with my grandfather fishing when I was six, seven years old. We'd go over to Dewey Lake in eastern Kentucky in Appalachia, and he'd get a, he'd get a, a little fishing boat, and I'd go out with him, and it was my time with my grandfather on Sunday afternoons. And we would be in that little fishing boat. I never will forget the first time we were fishing. I was about six years old. And, man, I'm sitting in his boat, and he's giving me all these rules and regulations. I can't get over to the edge. I can't talk very loud because the fish will hear me, and they'll run away. He's telling me all this stuff. And I remember him telling me, he put my, put my bait. And I'm sitting there, and after we sat there about 10 minutes, I said, where's the fish? I called him Daddy Clell. Daddy Clell, where's the fish? I thought they were going to jump in the boat or something. I didn't know. I'd never been fishing before. And I remember him saying, oh, it takes time sometimes. But they're, they're going to come. And before the day was out, I, we caught a few fish. I caught two or three. They're just kind of little bluegills and that type of thing, just little, little bitty fish, but I caught a few. But it requires patience, doesn't it? A good fisherman must have a, preser- a persevering spirit. Michael talked about that today. A good fisherman must have good instincts to drop in the right place, especially if you have those, 
those, those type, that type of equipment like Don had on his boat, man, he knew where all the fish were. He would tell us, hey, got something coming, think it, and he would tell us what kind of fish it was. It was amazing. A good fisherman has courage, doesn't he? Often they face perils in the sea. A good fisherman also keeps himself out of sight as much as possible. That's what my granddad tried to tell me. I want to close with this. D.L. Moody, D.L. Moody was interviewed by someone one time, and the interview was about why are you so different from other preachers? Why do so many people come to your meetings and they respond to the gospel with you? And D.L. Moody said, go to that window, what do you see? And it was there, they were in downtown Chicago, he goes and he looks out the window and he says, oh, I see horses and buggies and people busy and all kinds of activities, animals in the streets. And he said, yeah. He walked over to the window and he said, I see people that are lost, not losers, lost. And until I know different, until I know different, Every person I meet, I believe, is lost, and I have a responsibility to tell them about Christ. D.L. Moody had something happen in his ministry that changed him. He was preaching in Chicago, and he told them, because hardly anybody responded, he said, hey, just, just go home, think about it. Think about this. Think about the gospel. Think about the Son of God. Well, that night, the Chicago fire hit, and several hundred people that were at that meeting died. There wasn't another chance for them. And D.L. Moody, when they met the next day or two, I mean, it wiped out Chicago. It, you know, there's so much wood in, in, in Chicago then. He, he said, I will never, ever, ever preach again without pleading, begging people to come to Christ. It might be my last time to share, and it might be their last time to hear. Folks, there's just not time to do something else. Becky, last Sunday, beckoned me over there to the curtain. I shared that with you, I think, at the beginning of the service, about her telling me to come over and about the word benign. Becky was just months older than me. She's 59 years old. That's all. That's not, in my book, that's not old at all. Some of you in here think, man, that's, that's pretty old, Pastor. That's not old to die, is it? Becky had such a tremendous day. I was so thankful that's the way her day went. She said, I got to lead praises, got to be at my church. I'm cancer-free. It's a great day. Two hours later, she had a stroke. 24 hours later, she's gone. 36 hours. You don't know about yourself, and you don't know about your friends, neighbors, and family members. These flowers are here from Becky's service. Listen, Becky witnessed to people. If you were at the service yesterday, I told you, you know, we had some guests here at the church. They went down over to Spring Creek, and Becky, Becky went and started talking to my guest, telling her, listen, you, if you don't know how to get to heaven, I'm going to tell you how to get there. And if you're my sister, then we all spend time together because we're going to be together for eternity. That was one of her techniques. 
It wasn't the smoothest technique, but I'll tell you what, Becky, what Becky was a witness for Jesus Christ, wasn't she? You didn't have to be around her long. She's going she's to share with somebody and give some testimony. I share that to say this. We don't know. This may have been the last message I ever preach. This may be it. I don't know. Becky left here high as a kite last week and left us right after that. I don't say that to scare you. I say that because that's reality. We just don't know what we have. You have right now. We've got all these things coming up this, these next couple of weeks. Are you going to take full advantage and try to win somebody, try to bring somebody? We will have great success if we pray and if we bring folks. I just, I've seen it happen over and over. Let's, let's get fully engaged. Father, bless this invitation. We need to become fisher of men, fisher of women. Help us to do that today. Maybe we even need a revival about it. Maybe we've been faithful in the past. And here lately we haven't been sharing. We haven't been bringing. We haven't been inviting. Lord, our church, we want to grow. And Father, this is one of the ways you grow your church. So I just pray that we would take full advantage of all the opportunities that we have have set up for our dear church to be able to see many people come to you. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.